1: Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team in Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253 222 2626. Again, that's 253 222 2626. Go, Hawks.
0: Hey, all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend, Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan
1: life. Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And, uh, you know, kind of been waiting for some information to talk about or. A game we could react to, or a scrimmage, or something. But uh, honestly, <laughs> the Seahawks have buttoned everything up. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to we're going to make wild, speculative guesses uh, based purely on our collective uh, knowledge of past Seahawks and current uh, uh, assessments. So they're going to be super accurate, um, just like all of our predictions have been in the past. Um, I will start the show before I introduce the guys just by uh providing a warning public service announcement that this is really no different than any other time for evan um for the rest of us we usually are making informed projections and predictions um and so this will be a little bit more different but for evan this is just this is just per usual so i think we're all kind of getting a a chance to walk in his shoes and and uh yeah it's gonna be interesting um and with that
0: um i I do want to bring in uh mr evan hill how are you doing dude I am good. I was, you know, I've been looking forward to tonight's show for a while. I know we've had sporadic shows over the past few weeks. Maybe it was only one show we had over the past few weeks, but um, it feels good to just talk about football because football is going to happen and football feels normal. And I'm excited about it. This is, this is something I've been looking forward to.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, I see you've got your handle back. I thought I was going to have to like manage that, but
0: uh... Yeah. I at, had Evan, to...
1: <laughs> at Evan in SEA, you want to explain what happened there?
0: No shenanigans whatsoever, but do you want to know how much I paid to get the handle back? I do. 600 no. bucks. No, you did not. I'm totally kidding. I didn't pay a dime. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, sometimes you make some risky decisions on Twitter.com and people steal your handle and this is like the third or fourth time it's happened and it's not my fault is what I'm saying. I, what I'm saying is I'm a victim here is i'm the victim feel empathy for me because i deserve it
1: (laughs) thank you for that uh um next we'll bring it over to uh nathan ernst i think he's at still nathan e11 on twitter he's consistent stable he is nathan how you doing my friend
2: pretty good pretty good also excited to talk football it's uh starting to feel more more likely more more real and it's pretty cool
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and uh, last but certainly not least, and completing our pretty much stable quartet for a few years um, is Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Jeff, it's been a little while. Good to see you again.
3: I know I've had to miss a couple big shows. Dana debuted, Derek debuted. They did pretty well
1: in my absence,
3: so I'm glad you're still including me in these shows. But I'm I'm happy to be back.
1: Well, you got to earn it, dude. It, it, this is That's always right. compete. I mean, I can't, you should not rest on your laurels because uh, there's no guarantees. So so like, this is not a Pete Carroll uh, always compete. You know, we had some pretty strong uh, showings. You know, any one of us could get knocked off uh, at any time. Um, so it's like Survivor now. <laughs> Nathan, you look like you got something to say there. No, no just i'm i'm uh I'm, I'm gonna keep it on my
2: a game apparently I, I could i could get ejected out at I've, any moment so i was
0: gonna say i'm the germane Fetti of this group i am exceptionally mediocre but my position is forever entrenched and i am never leaving so
1: i think that makes you like the even hill or something to that effect maybe <laughs> <laughs> I can't uh, get rid of me <laughs> Uh well um uh, on that note um please uh if you haven't already, um go ahead and click subscribe, uh click the little bell button uh to get notified uh for the show. Uh go over to patreon.com slash sign up there. Uh we've have the, the active slack channel, we've got a couple folks added in the last week or so. And as the news is breaking, we're we're talking there. So you'll be able to get a hold of us. And I will, will mention that uh Dana, um, who is hopefully gonna be a regular for us, she's she's uh unavailable this week but we'll be back so uh for those of you who are looking forward to having her around we will uh we'll have her back uh hopefully in the next show so um there's a there's a fair amount that's kind of gone on and before we get into the core of the show which is, is making baseless predictions um let's talk about some some seahawks related news and and the first thing we're going to talk about uh, before we get into the Earl Thomas situation, which we will touch, touch on in just a second, uh, I want to ask you guys, Like, news broke this morning that the Miami Dolphins are going to allow 13,000 fans in their stadium. And uh, we've already heard from the Seahawks uh, since our last show that their first three home games will not include fans. Um, they've worked on that with the governor and, and the state and determined that that's the right way to go. And so I posed a question, which to me is not meant to be political, but certainly ends up being political for some people. But just from a pure sports perspective, you now have a situation where the league's allowing some teams to have fans in their stadiums for home games and some teams to not have fans and some teams are not having fans in their stadium for home games. How do you guys feel about that? Like, do you feel like that's, that's the right way to go? How do you feel like that impacts the game? How do you feel about that as a Seahawks fan? And and if possible, separate out how you feel about what's right for the pandemic. Let's just talk football and sports part of it. Like, how do you feel about that just from the way the league's allowing that to to happen? And and, uh, Nathan, I want to start with you. Uh, I don't think it...
2: Bothers me too much, um, just from a football perspective, especially at the numbers that we're talking about, right? Um, you know, if some if some teams are having full stadiums and some teams are having empty stadiums, that'd be pretty drastic. But if you're talking about the difference between thirteen thousand and you know just pumping in crowd volume, I, I don't know how big a a difference that really makes. Um, it'll be interesting though, because I, I do think that you know you're going to have different states that have taken different approaches to this and you could end up with pretty drastic differences. And at that point, I think um, the league has to do something probably more for pandemic reasons, but also you do have to start considering, you know, that it becomes a a different, a competitive advantage or disadvantage, right? Depending on which side of it you're on.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, Evan, if you can build on that for a second, so 13,000 is where it starts let's say after the first game, they up it to full capacity or, or something any of those things could start to happen. Do you, you have an issue with, with having dis- different rules for different home teams um, in the league?
0: I'm glad you mentioned this and I'm glad you actually tweeted about it either this morning or the day before, because I've actually been thinking about it a lot since you mentioned it. And I have a little bit of, a, I don't think it's a hot take, but a take on this. If your team is significantly affected by five to 10,000 drunk fucks in the stadium and your team measurably, measurably does worse, your football team sucks. Your football team sucks. Like I, 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 I 100% agree with Nathan. If we're talking a full stadium, different ball game, okay? Then I can see some legitimate competitive issues because a full stadium can actually make like significant crowd noise, but I'm just not bought in that, like, what'd you say? 10, 15,000, 20,000 Dolphins fans would and material materially impact a game. Now you mentioned how this relates specifically to the Seahawks. I'm not too concerned about it from Seattle's perspective. You know, we have this history of being, you know, really strong, um, home team in like 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, that's not really true anymore. I, you know, these past several seasons, they haven't been like undefeated at home. Like they had in those years, they've become a, a really good road team. So I think from a, from the Seahawks perspective, I'm not really concerned about it. Um, I, I obviously there's a lot of moral and implications and stuff that we won't get into, but I think if we're just talking 15 to 20,000, you know, drunk Miami dolphins fans, like, come on, like, your team sucks if if they're, if they're measurably (laughs) impacted by that.
1: Yeah. So so that's, that's a totally wrong take, but I'm going to let that go for a second. Uh, So, so, so Jeff, uh, is there, you know, feel free to answer just generally, but like, are there any other rules you can think of where there are for the NFL, where there are literally different, different rules for different teams, depending on where they're playing.
3: Not really, unless you consider, like, size of stadium, how many fans they can let in per team. That's the thing that kind of bothers me about this whole thing. I I saw Sean McDermott on the Bills come out against it today, and he was saying that it's just ridiculous that there isn't a standard set of rules for every team. So I just find the whole thing odd that they're not. Yeah, like, what Nathan and Evan said is probably correct. It probably won't really matter. Just from, like, a, a league organization perspective, it just looks bad and looks odd. But at the same time, like, it's hard to blame them for trying to get revenue any way they can right now in a year.
0: But Brian, I, I just got to jump in here. Brian, I do agree with you, though. If, if like, the Packers allow a full stadium, yeah, I do think there's a competitive advantage. Absolutely. When you consider false starts, crowd noise, like, that's a real thing. Um, but I, I'm just not worried about it in the, in the meantime, as long as these small percentages are allowed.
2: I mean, this stuff already exists, right? I mean, it exists in football in that you have some stadiums that, you know, seat more or fewer. You have stadiums like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Sea Stadium that is, like, designed to amplify the noise back in, and, and you know, and not every stadium has that, right? Domes um, or uh, teams that play on turf, right? I mean, these are all differences. And then if you look at other sports like baseball, I mean, there's no two baseball fields that are the same uh mls has some of this right i don't i don't know how much that's true anymore but some mls fields are not the same size as other mls fields um, yeah, baseball so. stadiums
1: are certainly unique and and football stadiums are are much less so similar to nba courts or less so and and uh, uh, you know the same field same place uh, you know we don't have to spend a ton of time on this but you know, it's, it feels off to me on a couple levels. One, it feels off to me that the league is not mandating an approach across the board. Like this feels like a league decision that should be made. And it feels cowardly that they're not stepping in to, to manage this. And to me, it's a sign of a very owner driven league where the commissioner is basically their bitch and, and does what the the owners want them to do. So like, I, I feel like just from a competitive standpoint, it's purely the wrong approach. Like there should be one rule across um, just in terms of ensuring some level of, of even competitive play. Secondly, it's wrong for me on a, uh, I mean, related to that, if there was one rule, it should be related to how you're managing the situation, the pandemic overall. And so if, if it's basically going to, uh, you know, encourage people um, <laughs> to open it up, uh, you know, that might be in poor situations, you know, from a public health perspective, I think that's super off. I think that's not only off from a competitive standpoint. I think that's off from a, you know, a societal standpoint. So I, I, if anything, I would love to see it the opposite being encouraged that, you know, um, you know, you have to reach a certain level of, of, you know, management of the pandemic or the overall country has to reach that in order for it to be happening so you encourage people to to, to do what's necessary to limit that but anyway I, I find it i find it frustrating um i think i might find it more frustrating than others but but uh I at least wanted to get your guys's take on that and one I mean, guy that, I, yeah go, ahead, go ahead
2: i definitely find it frustrating from a you know managing the pandemic and are you being responsible perspective um I mean, we, there's a lot that, you know, there's a ton of discussion that can be had about how safe it is or how risky it is and all that. But I mean, I think that you're right, that like this, this is not encouraging the right behavior, right? We you're, you're encouraging teams to uh, you know, maybe look the other way or maybe take more risks than they should to gain a competitive advantage. And that alone is, is pretty irresponsible. It seems like so from that perspective, I'm hundred percent with you, but from just a, what is this really going to affect on the field? I'm, Pretty indifferent.
1: Yeah, I mean the the, the part there that bugs me, Nathan, is you talked about that there's uneven differences between home field advantages, and that's earned. Like that's earned by, in most cases, by the the fans and by the quality of the team. Um, there's a reason that people make jokes about, well, the dolphins don't normally have more than 13,000 people. So what's the difference, right? Cause they suck and their fan base is apathetic. And so they don't have a huge home field advantage and the Seahawks fan base is not apathetic and almost has never been apathetic and they've fielded really competitive, good teams. And so they have a significant home field advantage. This has nothing to do with that. This is totally arbitrarily determining which teams get to have whatever level of advantage they want at home. And, and I, I, I just find that like super anti-competitive, um, or at least, you know, built on the wrong principles. Um, but we could spend all the time on high horse there. I know I like being up there. Uh, but, but let's speaking of someone who's way off the horse, off the wagon, maybe even, um, uh, our former, uh, royalty, uh, Earl Thomas, um, he who wore a cape and a crown at his wedding, um, has been humbled. Um, maybe not by his own measure, but, uh, he's had quite the couple of years, um, almost shot by his wife, uh, while cheating on her in the same bed as his brother. Uh, that's a mouthful right there. Then, um, you know, had some really rough moments on the field. Um, I think there's a lot of folks that will stand for him, um, about him being still a very elite safety. I think a lot of folks would say that he took a pretty big step back last year. Um, so there's at least a debate about his on-field performance and now, um, (laughs) Ravens are like the players basically said, I don't care what the situation is, get him off the team. Um, and he's, you know, he is after having a fight on field with, I think it was Chuck Clark yep that's right um uh has been has the release official has that all gone through yeah 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 so he's he's available um and now (laughs) he could be picked up by any of a number of teams not the least of which could be your san francisco 49ers um uh which is my prediction of where he'll go with with good friend richard sherman um so this sparked a big debate in the early conversation in our chat, guys. Um, some folks were suggesting maybe the Seahawks should look to bring him back. And what do you consider coming back? Uh, Jeff, where are you with the whole Earl Thomas news? And uh, where do you think he, he, he ends up?
3: Uh, first, I just want to say, like, I feel bad for Earl. I know you mentioned some of the things that's happened to him in his life. I do. I do in a way not. Like, maybe that sounds weird, but it seems like something's off about Earl. And if you read the stuff coming out of Baltimore today, I read all their B reporters and read some of the national guys on him. Something just seems like it's going off with him. You mentioned that weird story before, but the two things that happened to Earl that kind of caused this was his teammates could kind of pulled the plug. They essentially fired him with, with cause. They essentially said, we don't want you around anymore. But the two things that came up where he wasn't, he was coming late for meetings consistently and he just seemed in another place. Like he was missing assignments. He, he tweeted a video or posted an Instagram video. I know maybe Earl's gone older or something's going on. That just seems so different. I know Earl's intense and he's a little weird, but that just seems so different from the Earl we saw in Seattle. The guy who like fought Michael Bennett because he was taking off practice too easy for chewing sunflower seeds. Or the guy who went at Bobby Wagner for playing through an injury. He was the most intense. The guy like, I can't imagine this guy late for meetings and, Something just seems off about him. And the fact that he hit the market yesterday, and there really isn't much interest in him. And when you see some of these guys get cut and like they get picked up the next day, something just seems off in his life. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't want to speculate. But from a Seattle perspective, like we can debate all we want. I'm sure they'll bring it up, whether he's still one of the best safeties in the league. I just can't see it happening. Obviously, if you can add him and have a three- safety monster that would be absolutely incredible but just hearing pete today even he was kind of talking the same way i did where he just kind of feels bad for earl and so i, I don't want to speculate too much but I, I don't see it happening i don't see a reunion possible earl's my favorite seahawk of this generation so it, it kind of hurts to see him like this but I, I don't see him coming back to the team
1: yeah i'm not a huge fan of the whole coming back to the team thing uh evan where, where are you on this
0: yeah, first of all, bringing him back would be a catastrophe. I'm not going to say catastrophic. Actually, I'm going to pull that word back. Whoa! It, it, it would.
1: Whoa. Whoa, whoa, wait, that's the biggest news in the show. Did you just stop yourself from hyperbole? <laughs> as that's we know, gross.
0: as we know, I am a measured, rational, intelligent football analyst. So that's my participation here. Did Alex here. just
1: switch spots with you, or something? Or- <laughs>
0: she did not but it would be a big mistake to bring earl back number one we can dive into that if we want to but i want to pose a question and actually flip it back to you guys do you think there's any chance earl retires after this or is that completely out of out of this world that's a great question
2: earl is firmly in the marshall zone like nothing he does will surprise me uh I mean, well, he's already, that's not true. Getting caught in bed with his brother, that surprised me. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should rein back the hyperbole a bit then, too. But I mean, you know, yeah, Earl is uh, good luck reading that, dude.
1: Yeah, well. One of the number of reasons I was not supportive of the Seahawks, you know, giving him an extension, which by the way does not forgive how messed up the team handled the situation and bum, you know, bungled the whole thing. That's different, but I was not supportive of him getting extension is based on all the information I had. He was, he was no longer playing for the love of the game. He was playing for the money. Like, and, and that, that's, that's just what I understood could be second, third hand in some of those cases, but I think there was evidence of that. And I think he's a guy who had been talking publicly as early as 2014 about how hard it was to get motivated, um, go back and listen to his comments after the loss to the Chargers in 2014, after they won the Super Um, and I think it was like week three or something he already was talking about just how hard it was to get back up for the games because they'd kind of gotten to the mountaintop. And so I, I think it's a legitimate question. I think he still wants the money and, and I think someone's going to give him enough money that it's going to be worth him showing up to play.
0: Well, did you, let me jump in here real quick. Did you guys see the report today that it came out of the Ravens, obviously that he like was missing a ton of meetings. And even one of the meetings he missed was because uh, he was getting his car washed. He, that's he, what I mean. That just doesn't seem like, like he's a top five highest paid NFL safety, a player of his caliber, a, a player of his tenure, of, of his salary. You expect him to be a leader within the locker room and on that football team. It's obviously not, he, he's just not focused. There's no attention to detail. He's not organized. Clearly it's, uh, I, I could see why they wanted him out. It makes total sense.
1: All right. The last, who's going to last word on this because then we're going to talk about current Seahawks. Anyone want a last word on this? Strong opinion? Oh, they should absolutely look at bringing him back.
2: Uh, I think he can fit really well alongside Diggs and Adams. Um, he can rotate down and play nickel, or Diggs can roti- rotate down and play nickel. I think that makes them better this year than what they're trying to do with Blair. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that need to be worked out there like Earl potentially could get beaten out by Blair, and then is he really going to take a, a, a backup role or something like that? I mean, probably not. So
0: uh, Potentially would be, but continue.
2: Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, Marcus Blair is such a good safety that uh, he doesn't even play that position anymore. Um <laughs>
0: Oh, yes. Noted defensive guru, Pete Carroll, who started Tedrick Thompson for six let's, games. What? Oh, yeah. Let's let's talk about I that. I think
2: schematically it can make a lot of sense. Um, he could he could improve this team this year. He did take a big step back, but he was still a very good player last year. Um, if he's right and I'm with Jeff, that I, I, I'm a little concerned about him at this point. Um, but if he's right, uh, I, I think it, it would be a smart signing. You know, it be a very uh, impressive way
3: of holding out Evan, but for the record. Uh, Evan was about to get going and Nathan just kept cruising. That was impressive.
1: (laughs) I, I think an awesome background, Nathan would be, if you could uh, have Earl just next to you in bed. Uh, no, 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 that'd be creepy. (laughs) (laughs) No. So let's, let's actually, since we're talking about Marquise Blair, uh, let's start there on our, our baseless predictions. Um, Uh, there's a lot of conversation about Marquise Blair in our chat. Uh, (laughs) It it tends to be dominated by certain people on this show, but um, let's start with this. Um, I'd like to hear uh, a yay or nay, yes or no. Is Marquise Blair going to get the majority of snaps at nickel through this season, through the full 16-game season? Is Marquise Blair going to get the majority of snaps at the nickel position for this team this year? Evan, you look confused. Go.
0: I'm like shocked that's even a question. Like, if he's healthy, of course. Like, you, who do you think's going to beat him out? Like, Ugo Amadi's like a decent player and i i'm still excited about him but like marquise Blair has a way higher ceiling than him and i think is a better player than ugo amati is right now i I don't think it's even a question assuming he stays healthy
1: okay so you've got a yes nathan
2: i think so at this point um i'm pretty skeptical of the whole thing still but yeah i'm gonna go with (laughs) you god I mean it's a good question though. Like who does get the majority of those snaps? I that that's what I can't answer. So
1: yeah, I'm yeah. Oh man. Uh I'm gonna go with no. And because I just fundamentally cannot see him as a nickel against true slot receivers. And so uh I think somebody else is going to, to get the majority of those snaps. And I have so, no idea how that's going to end up playing out because I haven't been able to see it. But for me, the guys that are candidates are certainly U- Ugo Amadi as well as um, Diggs. Um, you know, I still think there's a the potential for Diggs to slide down.
2: Who was the cornerback that signed with the Jaguars and then it all fell apart and you were advocating? Oh, that?
1: he got signed somewhere else, I'm pretty sure.
2: Yeah, but what's his name? um it's not darky's denard right uh it's somebody else i think um <clears throat> i mean i'm 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 very skeptical of his fit in the slot and how he can cover you know really true slot receiver types you know the edelman types or whatever uh but i don't think he has a build that's all that different than um the guy whose name is completely escaping me um and so uh, you know it's 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 not like he's gonna be it's not like you're putting cam chancellor there so maybe it can work
1: yeah i mean um it was dark D- denard
2: it was denard okay actually Denard's smaller than i thought he was he's only five eleven. i thought he was a
1: bigger guy than that
2: so maybe i'm off on that
1: he's smaller um <laughs> so i guess what we got a couple of us are saying yes a couple of us are saying no um evan you are you are way out over your skis on marquise blair Uh, what do you expect him to do this year? Like, what? Give me, give me a prediction for, um, give me a prediction for his Pro Football Focus grade (laughs) at the end of this year. His defensive grade.
0: Well, let's be clear. It'd be very hard to top last year's Pro Football Focus grades for Marquise Blair. He ranked as the NFL's 11th best safety overall 11. So, uh, which he's not
1: playing this year. Apparently.
0: Who's not playing this year.
1: He's not playing safety this year. Oh,
0: correct. That is correct. Yes. Um,
1: so his, his grade last year, let's just do this. Let's do an over under his grade. Last year was 78.3 overall. Um, and his coverage grade was 80.5. So, uh over under for this for this player, Evan.
0: it's hard for me to say because in this take is gonna shock wow, you.
1: Wow,
2: man. All no, of no, no, this no, block, no, no, all of no, this no, no, no. No. Uh ma-
0: ma-
2: Marquis player is going to be the best D B or the the best draft pick that Schneider's ever made.
0: He's gonna struggle for a few games early on in the season. He's gonna get a hang of the nickel corner spot. It's a completely new position for him. You know his background is obviously safety. It's it's a new spot for him. It's it's gonna take some time for him to adapt and and learn the position. I I could see him projecting as like a top. This isn't a hard question.
1: Above it's or below seventy eight point three.
2: I just wanted us to take a minute and appreciate Where- this like calm and measured. Evan, he's backtracking from hyperbole. Well,
0: well, hold our, up, our our,
2: like, our, our, our young man is like, grown up right in front of us. Hold up.
0: I, wanna, up, I want to I want to see where seventy eight point three would land among cor- cornerbacks though f- from last year. Like, what is you know what I mean? Like, so seventy. better than
2: Shaquille. Okay, so it'd be top ten. I right about Shaquille.
0: Yeah, Shaquille was seventy seven point zero. So I I think he's I think he comes in under seventy eight for sure.
1: Under seventy eight. Yeah, that is so hard to square with your perspective on him being an elite player, which is ninety and above, by the way. Um, pro, going to pro bowler is eighty and above.
0: Well, he's going to grow into that type of player. So he has not that this ceiling.
1: Year. Not this year.
0: No, I don't think he'll be an elite player this year. No.
1: Interesting. Anybody have a different? Anyone? Anyone think he will be above seventy eight point three? I wouldn't bet on it. No, I wouldn't bet on it either. So here. Here's like, like a good year for Marquise Blair for me is that he proves he can play the position. Hmm. That's that's it. Like if he can play that position, he's got a lot of value for the team. But yeah, yeah, that's all I'm looking for from him. Um, Do you think
3: he's the full time nickel though, or is he a matchup guy?
1: Well, that's that's what we were talking about when you had your little hiatus. Is is yeah. uh, um, I'm the only one that did not think that he will get the majority of the snaps at nickel this year. Both Evan and Nathan have him getting the majority. Snap.
0: So I assume what your hypothesis is, Brian is that they'll put Ugo Amadi in on some of those shiftier slot receivers. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Or, and then...
1: or that they slide Diggs down to guard the slot receivers. Cause he's been a nickel corner and have Blair play safety, which is his natural position, which to me makes so much more sense, mm-hmm. but I think the only reason the team wouldn't do that is because they don't trust Blair to make the proper decisions at the safety spot and they can cover him better as a, as a corner with two good safeties behind him. They might use him as a blitzer too. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's physical. I mean, man, it's just, it's really hard for me to square it off. Like he's certainly like, I, I don't, I think the guy's special talent is coming in and just knocking the snot out of people from the safety spot. And you don't get to do that very often at the nickel position. It's not a physical, like knock people on their butts position. So I don't know. I'm, I, and I just, yeah, well, I, I cannot, I cannot visualize what he would be like at corners.
0: Can we shift to another training camp uh, position battle that we actually forgot to talk about uh, pre going live, can we talk about the center position? That was my
1: next place. Yeah. Oh, I'm okay.
0: I'm really <laughs> excited to t- actually, I'm not really excited to talk about it. I don't know whether to be completely devastated or not, but I'll hand it off to you to intro us.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so, so folks, um, know that Justin Britt has been our center for a while. Um, and I think most folks know that have been listening to this pod know that this whole crew is ready to move on from Justin Britt for a variety of reasons, most of them being cap related and the fact that he was pretty much an average to below average center. Um, So in comes BJ Finney, um, uh, someone that they signed from the Steelers, who has a really good, you know, pass block rating. Um, Not as strong as a run blocker, supposedly, but has played guard and center. Signed for decent dollars, expected that he would take over that spot when Britt was released. And now we're getting reports that Ethan Posick is taking the majority of snaps at center. And there's some reason to think that he might be the starting center this year, former second round pick Ethan Posick, who has played both guard spots um, in his career. So Evan, you've been very distressed
0: by this. Um, Why? Because for the first time in the history of the Seattle Seahawks, they signed an offensive lineman who is a better pass protector then he is a run blocker. And when they made that it, when they made that acquisition at a very reasonable cost, mind you, two years, eight million dollars, four million dollars a year. It's pretty cheap for somebody who uh produced like he did. Steelers fans were super upset to see him go. Like you mentioned, he can play both guard spots, but where he excelled the most for the Steelers was a plug-in center. So he he was somebody I was hoping would take the mantle from Brit and provide a sort of stable force in the middle of the offensive line for Russell Wilson and, um, you know, be a, be a singular light of pass protection for the team. But if Ethan, I, I, I guess this is my dilemma. I don't know whether I should be really excited about Ethan Posick or be absolutely freaking out about BJ Finney. Like which one is the right answer or, or is it, or is it both? Because this acquisition is something that I, I, I felt like at least on a cost basis was one of their better moves of the off season. But I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: Well, and just to add some color to this, I mean, PFF grades uh, for pass blocking for BJ, BJ Finney, he was 72 last year, <laughs> which was his lowest. That was his lowest. I, I'm pretty sure I could go back and find that would probably be Justin Britt's highest <laughs> or maybe higher than his highest um, BJ Finney in 2018 pass block rate elite uh 2017 89.6 like elite level pass blocking the year before that 2016 his rookie year 80.8 at the pro bowl level and above so he has been a near dominant pass protector in his time so um nathan how you know one let's let's go with predictions since that's the part of the show who do you expect to start at center? And how do you feel about it?
2: Uh I really don't know on this one. I'm gonna oh, say POSIC just to say it. I don't know. Um, uh, I mean, I feel bad about it. Uh either Finney isn't as good as we had hoped. And like, you know, a big part of my optimism and a big part of what I liked about this offseason was that they um seemed to have a pretty smart approach to how they uh went about the offensive line and um finney was a part of that uh for all the reasons that we reasons that we've already talked about so i mean it's a it's a bummer um hopefully what it means is that posic is just balling out and is finally getting the play center and it's all clicking for him and in that case it'll be great but um I don't know. It doesn't sound like that's the case. Like, I, I haven't heard rave reviews for POSIC. It's just more the talk about, you know, him not – or Finney not being uh, starting at center. So uh, it doesn't seem like a great situation, but, I mean, we're we're dealing with very little information at this point. Um, I mean, but, uh, you know, for all of his PFF grades and, and however much Pittsburgh fans may or may not have, you know, cried about losing him, This is a dude that's been in the league for five years, undrafted free agent, never never secured a starting spot, a a consistent starting spot in his career, right? I mean, he's always been a a fill-in rotational guy. And so, you know, the fact that he comes here and isn't immediately, you know, cemented as a starter,
1: maybe shouldn't be too big of a surprise.
0: Do you guys think that there's any potential for him at left guard?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's where he's getting some time now. And I mean, Jeff, I don't know your thoughts, but I'm not thrilled that Posick is, is getting those looking like he's going to be the starter. My prediction is Posick will end up starting, but I understand it. And I think it's a, I think it's likely the, one of the side effects of this offseason season and, and how things are working. And that center is a position you've got to know the line calls. You've got to be in uh, you know, high level of, of synchronization with the other, with the quarterback and the other lineman. Posick's been in this offense or at least with this team for years and so i think he's known the line calls for a while and i think that's why he will end up starting whether or not he's a better pass blocker or run blocker than bj finney
3: yeah that's a good point because the weird thing you mentioned brian is that if you look at the issues with finney Posick has the same issues he's not a stout run blocker and when he tried playing tackle and guard that really showed up he was getting pushed around and the weirdest part about posic i mentioned this in our chat the other day I don't think he's ever played a snap in the NFL at center, which is his college position, his natural position. Seahawks have played him pretty much at every other spot in the interior, but never played him at center. So I don't know if I should be encouraged or discouraged, but like everyone else, I was kind of excited about Finney. Even Russell said he called Ben to check in on him, see what kind of player he was. I found that kind of cool. But thinking about it a couple of weeks ago, Pete brought up Justin Britt and said they were still checking on him. And at the time I thought it was like a throwaway comment. I wonder if there's something more there. I wonder if they're a little uncomfortable with what's going on at center. And I had heard some buzz. Teams are starting to look at him now, and he's getting healthier. And I don't want to see him back unless it's a backup job. I want to see someone else. But, yeah, I'm a little discouraged just because I, like Evan and Nathan, was excited by Finney. And I thought that was, like, a nice change to what they were doing off on the offensive line. But if they're already giving him snaps at left guard and right guard, where I don't think he's a great fit, especially with – the way Damian Lewis is sounding, and I think you Potty is still a pretty functional starter at this level. I don't think you can have Posick and Finney line up next to each other. I think that's a really weak line. And
1: well, let's broaden it out for a second. There, let's talk about the line in general. So the next thing is is I want to hear your starting offensive line for the Seahawks week one, and I also want to hear whether you think that offensive line, whatever it's going to end up being for the course of the year, is going to be better or worse than the offensive line, the Seahawks put out last year. And uh, if you want me to start, yeah, go ahead and start Jeff. If you, if you wouldn't mind. Okay. I will go Dwayne Brown left tackle. Mikey potty
3: left guard. Ethan Posick at center. Hope I'm wrong about that. Damian Lewis, right guard, brand shell, right tackle. I think the right side is absolutely secure. I think there's no changes there. And I think it will be better than last year. Uh, I think, Last year, the right the right side of the line was a huge problem. Jermaine Effetti is what he is. We've talked to him so many times on the show. DJ Fluker had a really poor year, and Dwayne Brown really wasn't healthy all year. And Joey Hunt played center majority of the season. So, yeah, it's a new group. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. But I think it's like maybe the stability of Shell compared to Effetti, who is a professional player, they seem to like what they're bringing in. Everyone keeps raving about Damian Lewis. And the second that draft pick happened, and I think Nathan dug into the film, he was like, this guy's pretty good. And everyone seems pretty buzzed about him. And I think that right side alone, along with potentially a healthier Dwayne Brown, and should be still an upgraded center, I do think it will be better than last
1: year. Nathan or Evan, do you have anyone different than Brown, Napati, Posick, Lewis, and Shell?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, so Brown, uh, Jamarco Jones, Posick, Lewis, Shell.
0: You hear that, Brian? Your boy just got upgraded to the starting unit. He's a guard, though. I I know. It sucks. He was a good guard. He's like,
2: he. Uh, that's, why I mean, I, had-
1: I would be excited about that line. Why do you think Jones is going to start? We haven't heard anything about that. You just, just think he's going
2: prove to prove out to be the best guard. Yeah.
1: And do you think it's going to be a better line than last year or the or worse?
2: Um, I think uh, so I think you know, four of those are pretty likely, right? Brown's set. I think Posick is probably likely at this point, And then Lewis and Shell are set like um, Jeff said. And then any of the players that you plug in at left guard, whether it's Haynes, Jones, Finney, Upati, whatever combination that is, uh, I think that's better than anything that they rolled out last year. It should be an improvement no matter what they do at left guard.
0: So would you guys disagree or agree that the entire right side of the line is almost certainly better right now than it was last year? I'm not
1: there with Shell yet. I just need to see like... I
0: Even knowing how bad I fed he was? Yeah, I mean, you know I'm not... It's an addition by subtraction sort of scenario here. That's my logic, at least. I'll just say... Are you siding with Jermaine Ifetti right now?
1: No, what I'm siding with is the track record of this team ju- being able to judge right tackles.
0: But nobody's claiming Brandon Shell is going to be good.
1: Yeah, I know, but I mean, he... <laughs> well, here's well, the thing. The market valued, at least the Seahawks from a market perspective, valued Shell. More at tackle more than than a Fed. He was valued by the league at guard. I mean, so I, I, I get it. I think it's, I just don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think shell had great. He wasn't playing on a good team. He didn't have a lot of competition pushing him. He did not have particularly great uh, you know, numbers, his best m- aspect is that he has not been penalized as much as a Fetty, which is real and meaningful. So I, I take that, but you know, I don't see it. I don't see a lot of upside. And what I'm hearing that the coaches talk about is He's a massive man. He's a, he's an earth mover. <laughs> that is James Carpenter. That is <laughs> Justin Britt. That is, that is Jermaine Fetti. Like that's the same story they said with all those guys. And so I'm like, is he going to be a turnstile at right tackle? just like a Feddy was like, I'm not convinced he's better.
2: One thing that people keep pointing out is the penalties and it's fair. I mean, it's true. Like he's not had as many penalties to date as a Feddy way better in that respect. But, uh, I think people kind of are maybe overlooking the fact that like Pete Carroll teams just tend to have more penalties. Like, it is not out of the question that Shell shows up and is suddenly like a fetty <laughs> oh, level God. maybe not a fetty level penalties cuz that was something else but like is suddenly a penalty machine or you know you know triples his previous penalty high, uh, record for a season or something crazy like that like that's not unthinkable.
1: It's not. I will say that just to to close on the predictions I think that I think Jeff's got it right. I think Yupati gets the nod at, at left guard just because of an experience perspective. I think Finney overtakes him pretty soon. Um, I think it is likely, or Finney overtakes at center. I do think Finney's going to be a starting player for this team before the end of the year. And, uh, I think they're going to be better. I, I feel like this could be one of those things where we look back at this and we just look crazy because we were talking about how good the defensive line was going to be last year when we when we got it, Clowney and Ansa, <laughs> and look how <laughs> look how that turned out, fellas. So, you know, I think there's less of a claim to be said here about why these guys, which is a pretty like ragtag group all in all, is going Ryan, to. be now, the- but look, I got a thing. I think Dwayne Brown being injured last year is underestimated in terms of how much that hurt that line. He played with a torn bicep the most of the year and, and was really like not supposed to play and eventually just couldn't. I think him being back to, to quote full health, I think it's a really, really, really big deal for that line.
0: I got to bring up one player just because somebody donated in the chat, James Watson. Thank you for the donation. Jordan Simmons is who he asks about. What's our, what's our expectations for Jordan S- Simmons, Jeff, you want to go?
3: Um, well one he's got to stay healthy he's had durability issues dating all the way back to college he had a pretty good stretch in Solari's first year he fits like the guard model it's just it's kind of a numbers game he's working against and he was kind of insurance in case Lewis wasn't ready but just even Bruce Irvin today almost every word that comes out about Damian Lewis everyone's raving about him so it's hard to see where Simmons fits in other than depth or injury situation but Simmons has had injury issues himself so to me it just seems more like a insurance policy I wouldn't spend much time thinking about him
0: is it is it outrageous to think that Damian Lewis could have the biggest year one impact of any rookie from this draft class from the Seahawks draft class from this particular draft class no no it just seems like there's very real or very minimal real competition for that right guard spot. And, you know, is, there's an opportunity this, to thrive.
2: Is his biggest competition Alton Robinson right now in terms of that?
3: That was my pick. I think I've been asked for like our craziest Seahawks pick on Twitter. And I was kind of annoyed that everyone's starting to come on to him, but
1: well, there's Jordan Brooks, there's Alton Robinson. And there's, if you believe Daryl Taylor, which is, Let's do a quick round of does anybody <laughs> believe that Daryl Taylor will actually um, let's say play more than play more than eight games this year. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, is the concern that he'll he won't play the mini just because of the injury? Injury. Yeah. He's well, not he
1: care- run, he's not running yet. The season Thank starts you. in a few weeks. Is he on pup? He's on the non-football injury, I thought. Or yep, so? NFI oh, okay. list. Yep.
3: Somewhere, Derek's pulling his hair out right now.
0: <laughs> not good, boys. Not good. Well, Why do all Seahawks this...
3: high draft picks get hurt every year?
0: It's well, not like the pass this... rush is uh, particularly weak either. So.
1: Oh no! No way. <laughs> well, I'm I'm assuming they had the same guy that did the durability analysis for Rashad Penny uh, do Oh the, my. Uh, on Taylor
3: all was hurt and was hurt. Uh,
1: yeah, I I that's my concern is that like I don't have the same concerns Derek did about oh, we should draft to DeQora and and this is just a really bad decision. Taylor I think looks the part to me. I mean, I think he absolutely can be a legit pass rushing threat, but not running at this point is not a good sign. Like that's not like not up to contact. He's not running. <laughs> so I feel like uh, it might be a red shirt for him. I mean, I don't know. Like, he, he, yeah. he, like they're going to have to do installs. We already know that young players are behind the eight ball with the way the offseason's going. And he's hurt. LJ Collier last year, guys, I think he's way less talented than Taylor is. But he got cool. hurt. Look what happened to his season. Oh, he just quality. was basically a non-factor after that. So, I, I'm going to take the under on eight games with Daryl Taylor. Yeah, I think I'd do that as well. Um, speaking of Collier, how many sacks does LJ Collier have this year? I want to specifically... We're going KP on this. Zero. Evan's, <laughs> Evan is giving us the, the YMCA. I think versus, it's a nine. So. Is it a nine,
2: Evan? Is that
1: 10? <laughs> is that
2: 10? Uh, I think it's I'm going to say... He's going to have some uh, like four and a half. Whoa. Yeah. And they're all going (laughs) to be. They're all going to be the dumbest sacks and people are going to get overly excited about him. And I think uh, uh, his pressure rates are going to be terrible. Uh, And uh, I think the, the bottom will fall out in the following
1: year. That's the my bad. chat is blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> that,
3: is a, that is the most surprising prediction of the pod. I'm not.
0: I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I am not optimistic about LJ Collier. I'll just leave it at that. I am We're, not optimistic. You and
1: I are in the same boat. We're at zero, yeah. and I will say, like, <laughs> you're going zero too? Oh, zero, absolutely.
2: Do you remember Baraka Atkins though? Oh yeah. Yeah, he had like six sacks one year, like four or six sacks one year. And I I think it's gonna he's gonna have a Baraka accent Atkins four and a half sacks. He had I, like a cool Mortal Kombat name. So I, like he did, you know, it's Mario's true. Got
0: nothing. I, I have it? a question I would like to pose to the group. What what is LJ Collier good at?
1: He's got good hands. Good strong no, hands.
0: No, what is Falling he good over. at? Is he really good at that? Does he have yeah, really strong I, hands?
1: I think he is. I think yeah, he was. Good. I don't think he's shown it in the NFL, but I th- I saw like I saw really promising heavy hands that pushed people back, and I thought I saw pretty quick hands that got around people. I did not see anything like that last year. No, you just fell over almost every snap. <laughs> Which was my point I was about to make <laughs> on the Damian Lewis articles. One of the things I read is, yeah, Damian Lewis has dominated LJ Collier in the past restaurants. I'm like, oh God, what does that say about Damian Lewis hype? Oh no.
3: Yeah, he's really working against a tough group of defensive tackles too. I know.
0: So, what happened to the whole what happened to the whole they're going to sign a DT thing. Remember when we were like, "Oh, they're going to sign Snacks, they're going to sign whoever." What happened to that? They're
1: what not happened to signed the Boost come. Else? They're not signed anywhere else either.
3: No, it's just I think what happened was a lot of the defensive tackles <sighs> started opting out. And guy like Snacks, what I was told is he's ha- he doesn't know if he wants to play. I think the same thing with a bunch of the defensive linemen because Al Woods opted out a bunch of guys at that spot. So they took someone named PJ Johnson, who some of the bloggers were writing about this week saying he's might be good. I have zero faith that he'll even make the team. But, yeah, whenever we think the Seahawks are going to do something, they do not do it.
1: All right, so Alton Robinson, getting a little hype. He was the first name mentioned by Dwayne – actually, Benson Mayo was the first name mentioned, but Alton Robinson was soon after. Uh, how many sacks for Alton Robinson this year?
0: More than Benson Mayo, it does. You want to wow. put wow. something on that? <laughs> now I'm debating whether I should have said that or not, but <laughs> – you know, yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I will. Hold on, hold
2: on. Evan, Evan, how many sacks do you think uh, Ben Simeo had last year?
0: Five?
2: He had seven last year.
0: Was that, okay, what, how's that relative to the rest of his NFL career?
2: uh so he had seven last year four the year before just one the year before that and then six the year before that so what is that 10 17 18 over four years so he's averaging four and a half four and a half sacks. so yeah
3: yeah but he's gonna play a lot more this year i don't know if that yeah Yeah, i don't know if that
0: helps him
2: yeah i heard there's
3: some like internal belief that like he could be chris clemens but oh that seems like a terrible that seems like a but like his age is very similar to and that he like Evans Clemens's path was very similar.
1: And I'm gonna keeps- go I'm gonna go out on a limb and predict 10 sacks for Benson Mayo this year.
3: <laughs> what? Yes. What? Yes. Ten sacks! Yes. Ten sacks.
2: Oh god. Uh the one thing to consider I don't. I, that seems a little crazy. But the one thing to consider is if coverage is more important than pass rush, then and they have the elite secondary that we expect. You could see guys like Irvin and Mayoa, and you know guys like Robinson maybe have career years. And if Mayoa has a career year, that's at least eight, right? Which isn't too far from ten. And he is is going to be probably a three down player now. Yep, uh, yeah, He gonna get a
3: lot
1: of run. He's gonna get a Coast. lot of run, and he had the same pressure rate as Jadavian Clowney last year, twelve percent.
2: So he didn't get two sacks.
1: <laughs> now, double do team he, team got, they, uh, he got he got seven play. sacks with that twelve <laughs> percent pressure rate. By the way, so he is he is a better pass rusher than Jadavian Clowney, as far as I'm concerned. Look at Evan just considering this. <laughs> you broke I, him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know what? I oddly feel more confident. Maybe it's not oddly, but I feel more confident that Darrell Taylor will have more sacks than Benson Mayoa. Is the new name just
2: Daryl?
1: Or Daryl?
0: Darrell. <laughs> is it no, Darrell?
1: Um, oh, that is such a bad sign
0: for Daryl Taylor. <laughs> Wait, so did I? You I have petted him yet?
2: already. <laughs> You i fed him off the bat.
0: Oh, he's <laughs> fucked. He's fucked. It's a bust. It's a oh, bust. That's not good news. I um, think he has more sacks, though, than Mayo.
3: Did
1: we get off track on Alton Robinson, though? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't think any of us made a prediction. <laughs> yeah, what, what's, what's the prediction for Alton Robinson? From a sack or pressure rate sacks. perspective? All right, pressure rate's too too geeky. Like, <laughs> we don't want to talk about sacks. Four? Yeah, I got, I got, I got, I got, I want to say four and a half, but that seems high. I'm going to, I'm going to go with two and
2: go Oh, four. Four sounds right.
1: Oh,
0: oh, I'll
1: say, I'll say five.
0: Okay. Now, how many sacks do you think Brandon Jackson has?
1: Well, so before you even you get to not, that, you might not even realize, make the team. Wait, Jeff, you said five. Nathan, you said four. Evan, you said four. That would have like almost led the Seahawks and sacks last year, right? Four and a half led the Seahawks. I think Green at four and a half. <laughs> so just want to contextualize your prediction for this rookie pass rusher coming in and basically being the, the Seahawks' most effective sacker. Okay, now, what were you going to say? Was it Jeff? Oh, someone was about to say something there. And... <laughs> I just totally cut you off. Yeah. All right, well... The only other thing I, I, I wanted to ask about relative to defensive line was, was Jeremy. Oh, oh go ahead. Yeah. Jeff, what were you
3: going to say? No, Evan asked me about Brandon Jackson. <laughs> you know, well, I felt bad this week. Yeah. I felt bad. He had like a serious neck injury or he got knocked out and left on a cart. You know, I don't hate Brandon Jackson, the person. I think, I think Brian, you said it. I listened to one of the shows that I missed and you said it perfectly. No player is more like a Tim Ruskell draft pick. Well, maybe Collier, actually. Collier remember, resembles Lawrence Jackson a lot. But Brandon Jackson just is like the kind of player that just doesn't get better any year. And I, I can see the team likes him, but like I don't want him to get injured or fail. I just think he's not. I just think he's a terrible football player with zero upside. So I'd rather <laughs> see Barack Atkins, who at least runs around and does exciting things. Or you, Nick Reed or something. You haven't
0: been very transparent about your thoughts on Brandon Jackson.
3: <laughs> he he just I watched the Philly game early in COVID <laughs> in the playoffs. I remember I've been called me insane for doing this. I was bored. It was early, and like he was trying to pass rush and just watching him run right into the arms of Jason Peters and going <laughs> absolutely nowhere. It was so painful. He got he made zero down. So it brought back horrible memories and. I thought the team was done with him and he keeps crawling back and <laughs> all
1: and right. You, they can't get really Cannot it's spend like, any more breath on Brandon Jackson. I'm glad no, he's healthy. No, That's no. about as much as I can say. Uh, now who will have more sacks? Jamal Adams or Jaron Reed.
0: Jamal Adams.
1: Everybody's You're all, good, Jamal. Every, you're all Jamal Adams.
0: Pete Carroll's going to use some voodoo shit with him. Like I'm, I'm excited for, I'm excited for Pete Carroll to get his hands on Jamal Adams. It's going to be fun.
1: Interesting. Interesting. I'm, I'm going to go with Jaron Reed. <laughs>
0: does that
3: say, does that say more how we feel about Adams or how we feel? It's about a
1: combination. This a good <laughs> question, Jeff. I think, uh, I don't know well, that think- we've seen Ken Norton uh, utilize his players to full extent or do his creative things in Jamal Adams. As much as the uh, Greg Williams comment was, you know, you know, whatever, uh, annoying, um, I think there's some truth to it. I think Jamal Adams is used very creatively in, in New York. I don't know that we've seen the Seahawks be as creative with how they use their safeties. So um, I, I have to see it a little bit. Are they going to let Jamal Adams be the player that he's been before, at least from a pass rush perspective? And I think Jaron Reed is a little like – ridiculously undervalued by this crew. Like, I don't think he's, he's like a 10 and a half sack guy, but I don't think it's unreasonable for him to get five sacks this year.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Five sacks is within the role of reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah. He won't, I mean, he won't live up to his horrible contract, but you know, yeah, we won't go there. Um, (laughs) all right. Uh,
1: who else? Who else? I mean, okay. Jordan Brooks, first round pick. We got to at least talk about him. Um, at any point this year. <laughs> sorry, I just got distracted by someone sponsoring, trying to get Evan to unblock them.
0: And I did do it just now. Thank you to M web. You have been unblocked. I actually, I will accept your money to unblock people. I will do that.
2: Do we want to take an over-under on how long it takes the guy to get blocked again? <laughs> does he make it 10 days?
3: Or does he block Evan first?
2: That would be a power move. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did pay a guy to unblock you on Twitter, so you still lose, but that, that would be pretty strong.
1: Evan has got a heavy blocking strategy. He is, he is much better at blocking than any Seahawks offensive lineman we've seen. In, in Fuck,
0: yeah.
1: And Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. He is ge- generally his strategy is to create an echo chamber of people that only agree with him on everything. And so he just basically. Correct. Uh,
0: only my opinions are good. And I only want to hear my opinions. <laughs>
1: yes. It's a, it's an interesting and uh, very disturbing uh, approach to life. Um, Jordan Brooks, Jordan Brooks. Does, does he start this season for more than four games? Is he a starter? For What him. position? Didn't have to say. Why, why does that matter? I mean, he has
2: to be the clear starting Sam, right? I mean... I think Bruce Irvin is. Hmm.
1: Wow. Uh, yes.
2: You said four games? Four games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm definitely going Quarter yes. Quarter of the
1: season? All right, so you guys are both think he will start at least four games.
0: Yeah.
1: He's going to start at least 12. Wow. I would be psyched if that was the case. I have to say I am firmly in the Jordan Brooks over KJ Wright camp. Like, oh wow. I, I would feel a lot better about the Seahawks if if Jordan Brooks was getting those first string snaps than I mean, KJ
2: was, was legit good last year. So like he's a danger to drop off. And so I'm glad that they have him there, but I think he'll end up starting 12 or more at Sam.
0: So that's my follow-up question to you, Brian. Is that a, is that a ceiling decision, a durability decision? Because KJ, like Nathan said, had a really good year last year. Maybe his best year as a Seahawk, honestly.
1: I have some others I'd pick for him. Just like, I think his speed was, was pretty suspect last year. And I think his numbers were good, but I don't know that I would say that, almost anybody on the Seahawks defense could claim that last year was a good year for them. Um, but that being said, my reasons, Evan, are I think KJ's on a clear decline. I, I, I think that he's just from a speed perspective was always challenged. That was never his strength. And I think that he's been on the razor's edge. He's one of those players that even a half a step for him makes him like, I think questionable as a an NFL starter and he's coming off another injury Um, He's been dealing with a lot of injuries over the last few years and Jordan Brooks is a first round pick. And I happen to really believe in him. I think he can be, I think he can be better than KJ over his career. I think, I think that's possible for, for what his ceiling could be. So I just would love to get that speed and tackling on the field as soon as possible.
3: So I have a question for that. I think Brooks might be the nickel linebacker with Wagner. So what if KJ starts in base and Brooks comes in for nickel because they got killed by the Rams and the 49ers in the middle of the field last year. Their linebackers looked so slow. If he plays that role but doesn't start, is that still a pretty good situation? Or does it have to be like him taking over for KJ? Well,
1: it would be fascinating considering that the knock on Brooks in the draft was his coverage. Yeah, that's yeah. not that, but that He can cover Yeah. Out. I think he's fine too, but it would be fascinating, right? Yeah.
3: But that was kind of a usage thing versus, because if you looked at his film the year before, he was pretty good at it. Uh,
2: uh, Sorry. Totally sidetracked me, Evan. No, I don't think the Blazers are are leading right
1: now. (laughs) (laughs) They might have pulled it to within 30? Uh, Yes.
2: It's within thirty. Just for anyone who wants an update on how badly the Blazers are getting their ass kicked.
1: You're talking about within thirty in terms of the amount of free throws the Lakers have versus the the Blazers. Or uh, this is
0: not an NBA podcast, you nerds.
1: Uh, well, so one thing to keep in mind though with KJ is like.
2: I, he's interesting because his ability to come up and play stuff and sniff stuff out and, you know, play in the flats is still really good. Mm-hmm. Um, his ability to, you know, uh, run with all those crossers and stuff that the Rams like to send and the, the kind of the intermediary in intermediary um, is obviously a weakness. So I, I don't know if you really, if, if KJ plays as well as he did last year, I don't know if you you're, you're kind of trading just strengths and weaknesses at that point. I don't know that you're, overall
1: better with brooks i always bet on the come bet on the people coming up and, and not on the people coming down
0: that was yes. worded interestingly but you don't know that phrase we can continue it, it is almost, but we um, all have the same
3: we all have the same stuff oh
0: god <laughs> you guys i'm sorry bro it's we're we're men come on <laughs> so
1: there's a few other players I wanted to ask about um, get some, some takes on uh, one is DJ Dallas. Who's getting a lot of, a lot of buzz from Russell among others. Um, fourth round pick running back, former quarterback, former receiver. Uh, some question about whether he, you know, he's played wildcat a lot and whether the Seahawks would potentially deploy him that way. Who gets, who gets, um, who gets the third down back reps for the Seahawks that were going to Rashad Penny last year and Mike Davis the year before? Him.
2: Uh The Blazers actually have two more free throws than the Lakers do. Just so you know. Thank you. That's good. Yeah.
3: To oh, the analytics always hurt.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it possible that DJ Dallas like? carves out a role that's more than just a third down back for the seahawks probably not no you don't think so Well,
3: no, i think they're it's pretty established hierarchy they got carson and Hyde for early downs and dallas and potentially homer
0: jeff i'm trying Hopefully to talk there. myself into anything that would prevent them from giving chris carson an extension so could you like go along with my positivity That'd be great. That'd be great. Like, I think
3: what Dallas's role is what they initially envisioned for Evan's boy, Procise. I think that's
0: kind of – So he's like CJ Procise, but good, right? Essentially. Awesome. So, okay. So there's some potential there.
3: I think that's the role they have for him is year one. Because he's a blocker. He's a special teams guy. He can get out and catch the ball. He played quarterback, so they can do wild with him.
2: I don't don't think there's any chance that he beats out Carson without an injury happening.
3: Yeah. And the way they want. And that's
0: why Hyde's there, too. He would take that. You don't think he'd beat out Carson for the running back two spot?
1: Oh, God. Don't take Uh, the bait, guys. So, so
2: (laughs) I'm actually curious what the joke is supposed to be. Is it supposed to be Rashad Penny
0: Penny running back one, baby? Yeah. It's not unrealistic. It's really not. But is he running yet?
1: I think there's a chance Rashad Penny doesn't play this year. What? yeah is he running yet no yeah. he's not running? no he's, he's still what? on pot
0: is he running yes he's running you sure yeah we've seen the videos it's he's, he's well, posting stuff on twitter and instagram
1: oh call running that's like rashad penny like i don't know if i'd consider that running
2: like Eddie Lacy esque running, is that
0: oh, yeah? Like line that we're talking about. I hate this group. I hate <laughs> you guys so fucking much.
1: God. So yeah, I think DJ Dallas does take the third down back role, and I'm actually kind of curious to see if if they use him more creatively than that. And and you know, there's been a fair amount of like, you know, is he the Taysom Hill for the Seahawks? Do so they try to mess with that that lineup at all? Um, uh, and that that package. Um, all right. Last, well, maybe I'm, I might be lying, but last question, I think. Who has more receptions this year? Will Disley or Greg Olson?
2: Greg Olson. Yeah, Greg Olson.
1: Let me make it be more interesting, and you can change your answer. If they both play the same amount of
0: games. There we go. Greg Olson. Yeah, Greg Olson. No. If Will <laughs> Disley is guaranteed a full 16 games, are you kidding me? Did we forget about Will Disley's connection with Russell?
2: Disley's going to be asked to block more than Olson will.
1: Yeah, it seems like Russell and Olson have something going on. I love, love, love Disley. Like, you know... I- Arguably, my, maybe my favorite current Seahawk in terms of, like, man, impact per snap. But um, I got to go Olson. I think he's going to be huge for this team. I think he's still one oh, of the most I. underrated additions. I think seeing this offense with Metcalf, Lockett, Olson, and Disley all available, hopefully that happens on a regular basis. I think that's going to be really, really interesting.
0: I'm still hesitant about the price they paid, but if you're right that Craig Olson does make a major impact this year, I think it's a huge
1: Did you just call him Craig? I heard Craig.
0: I heard Craig too Craig. 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 (laughs) If if Craig Olson plays well this year, it's it's a huge deal for Russell. So we saw what happened when Disley went down. So
1: I lied. One more question and you guys can tell me if you have others, but DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, same question. Who has the most receptions this year? Lock it. Yeah, am Lockett. I'm going Metcalf.
0: I'm going Metcalf too, Brian.
1: Okay. It feels I that way. Is DK Metcalf going to have a, is he going to have a better second year than uh, Julio Jones did? Uh, would you like me to tell you what Julio Jones did as a.
0: As a it was sophomore? 1108, wasn't it? 1,100 yards and eight receiving touchdowns. How many targets did he have?
1: That's I'm going to tell you. Just hold on a sec. You guys keep talking. Um, so, wait. We got two people that say that Tyler's going to to have the most and two of us that think DK Metcalf is. Um, so, he had 1,198 and 10 receiving touchdowns. As a sophomore, as a second-year player. On 128 targets. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. no.
2: DK
3: won't hit that. I think DK is ascending in a similar pattern, but I just think there's too many balls to go around here. and No.
0: He's not going to get the targets. It's just that. Yeah, so that's
1: why I asked. See, the thing that you guys are missing on this is uh DK, how many yards per reception did he have last year? Wasn't it like 20? Or it was pushing up towards that.
0: I think so, yeah. I think maybe. his first
1: year with Julio was almost identical. It was pretty similar. Um, so Nathan,
0: I- could you just say, like, I was wrong? As in what? Could you just say, like, you were wrong? About what? About DK Metcalf.
2: What were they wrong about?
0: Many times throughout last offseason, I declared that Calvin Johnson was not an unreasonable comparison to what his future career would look like. You said I was a lunatic. Could you please apologize for that?
2: Uh, no, because I still don't think Calvin Johnson is a reasonable comp for DK's career. Uh, Agreed.
0: It's completely disrespectful to DK. Sure,
2: sure. (laughs) Also, I never called you a lunatic. I know that much. So, you called me. If you did, no one would blame you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So no apology. No apology. No apology apology to me. No apology to. Okay, got it because i that wasn't wrong the
1: wrong you picked the wrong prediction to to harass him about i think if you talked what we talked about how many yards and touchdowns dk would have and nathan and i were definitely low on that that number compared to where you were
2: i wonder because i know that you shared the clip of you being wrong about that evan i wonder what uh i don't actually remember what my prediction was though
0: i think you said like five or six hundred receiving yards that
2: sounds right yeah
0: yeah I remember this at Matador, like, specifically. <laughs> yes, yeah, so
2: I was going to say, I feel like it was probably about 600, so. Yeah. I'm comfortable with that. I'm okay with that. That's how I – if I underestimated him there on that.
1: Does, does anyone feel like Philip Dorsett's going to be an impact player? Is he just going to be, like, Jerron Brown level decoy, not really factoring into the offense?
2: He's going to have three games where he catches more than 100 yards and a touchdown on, like, three catches. <laughs> And then he's gonna have like 12 games where he like has one catch and it's a screen pass and it goes for like three yards.
0: Can he play can he play punt returner or is that not a thing? I don't think so. Okay.
3: I think he's a one trick pony that has one very clear skill set that fits with Russell, but I think what Nathan said is right. I think teams that could take him away, he'll have very little impact plays other than those deep passes.
1: If the team size, Josh Gordon, do you think that he's the number three receiver or Philip Dorsett?
0: Oh, Josh Gordon easily.
1: I think it's Dorsett.
0: Really?
2: I, I don't know. Jordan... I mean, this might be a, a, that we might be overly simplifying here. Yeah, I mean, that's those a are situational. Very, yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: <clears throat> yeah. I think they want the tight ends to play more to the middle of the field and they want to use those three guys opening up the offense if they do that
0: yeah
1: all right uh i'm gonna make one more prediction it's gonna go against something i said earlier it's gonna be a surprise cut uh i am predicting that they will cut mikey potty i'm gonna go back on now i'm looking at the roster again i think that's gonna be a surprise cut
3: it was the left guard
1: uh any one of number of guys um phil just haynes. say phil Jones, haynes. haynes just say
2: phil haynes you know you want to say Phil. come haynes.
0: on I he's to be the malik turner <laughs> of this year let's be honest here come on
1: I, I wanted to be well dude phil haynes was getting as much hype as damian lewis last year before he got hurt just oh, don't my. forget that they kind of can't cut you potty
2: right because warmax out and fuller just got popped for pets i don't know how much he really factored in for them at all um, They've got like Hades, who were there?
1: Simmons, uh, Posick, Finney are Jones. all guard options. They and only need to have one. We have to have
2: a little depth. Like, who's the backup?
1: So
0: that's four guys.
3: I don't know. I think in a year like this, you kind of need a guy like him. So,
0: right. actually, can we go around the table on that one maybe surprise cut yeah. that yeah. each person might have? Um, so, Brian, yours, yours was Mike Upati. I'm going to go through Potty. Don't give me some like crappy thing
1: like you know
0: No, I'm I'm really I'm looking at the full roster so cool right now. Or something
2: does Gino count as a surprise?
3: I'd be I'd okay. be very surprised. He's apparently been pretty good.
0: Um
1: does David Moore count?
0: No, that's no. Yeah. Jeff, do you got Joe anybody? Fan,
1: Jeff fan listed him as a as a surprise. Contest. I know, and he so had lane too, bit. A little weak. Sorry, Joe. Could OG we call you? Make a call. You can't keep throwing names out. I picked one. Uh, Be decisive fellas. Uh
0: I mean, I don't know if this is a big one. Could Carlos Hyde not make the roster?
2: Yeah, I was looking at him too.
0: The, because just because the running back no. p- group looks so competitive,
3: I think they need him because no Penny and Carson's durability. Is sh- but the,
0: but you have Travis Homer, who who Pete Carroll really raved is about. Is that it. your call or not? Evan? Yeah, no, it oh, is. Okay. It is. I'll, okay. I'll go but with that. I'm being forced to pick somebody, so I think yeah. it's Carlos Hyde. I think okay, that's I'll a, go.
1: That's an interesting call. You know, what's the cap implications of that?
0: Uh, they would save two million by cutting him.
1: Okay, that's enough to sign Clowney.
3: I'll go Jacob Hollister. Oh,
1: all right. I don't know if I call that a surprise, but I mean, you got <laughs> you got a pile of tight ends there. But okay. How
2: about John Ursua?
1: That's a good one.
0: Yeah, that's a good <sighs> one. It'd be a Nick surprise is, to see X Twitter for sure. Nick is in shambles right now. That's a disaster.
2: I mean, I agree that David Moore is probably the more likely one, but if we're talking about surprise, then I'll go Ursua between. I mean, there's just a lot with you have Lockett, Metcalf, Moore, Dorsett. You got a a rookie in Swain who knows what they want to do with him. I, I, I doubt he makes the roster, but they're supposedly kicking the tires on Preach. They're interested in Josh Gordon. Russ is advocating for a B, so there's a chance that they add another receiver. And this team doesn't tend to carry a lot of receivers. So,
1: well, it's going to be interesting when they cut Jason Myers. Why
0: would they co- oh
1: my, do? They save you know, money. I'm not gonna do they save that. money? Because if they save money, I want that one. <clears throat> they save money because people would stop burning their jerseys and and no longer watching Seahawks games. They would lose, go
0: negative in cap space by a million dollars. So, that's be worth steal. it. That's <laughs> <a> no, <steal. laughs> stop it. Jason Myers is gonna have a good year. You guys, you guys shit on him, but like, he's a pretty good player. So
2: Blair Myers. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, fellas. Anything we missed? Anything you want to cover before we, uh, we wrap this up?
2: The Seahawks should sign Jadavian Clowney. Yeah. I feel very strongly about it.
0: I, I think that'd be a good addition. I think they should pay him some good money and add him to the defense.
2: Yeah, I think it could help.
0: Yeah, good football players make good football teams. That's my analysis. Yeah. This
3: I'll is say it. Jamal Adams, first team all-pro.
0: Mm. Oh, you're saying he beats out Blair. No, that's not possible.
3: They'll both be the two
1: all-pro safeties. (laughs) There isn't even playing safety. You guys—that does raise a question. Seahawks scoring defense. Are they going to be? Are they going to be in the top half of the league in opponents' points against? Yes. Yes. So
2: just because of the way that they play football they don't like to i mean pete pete ball doesn't just have a lot of points generally right i mean so they slow it down they're not gonna get into like big shootouts or anything if they can help it so
3: really but like they also have a really easy schedule this year like i don't think they play like i think they have the easiest quarterback opponent schedule
1: in the league so, I mean, last year they were 19th in the NFL. and in- They don't even have to be that
2: how, how many points between 19 and 15?
3: Yeah, they were pretty horrible last year, and they still were 19.
1: All right.
0: I mean, you don't with, think the, so. with, with the upgrades they've made to the secondary, I mean, is it insane to think that they could be top 10?
1: That, to me, is that is the probably the most important number in my mind. I think if the Seahawks are top 10 in scoring defense, I think they're a legitimate contender, um, and I do think it's in the realm of possibility. I, I, I think it's in the realm of possibility. I'm not saying it's likely. I would this agree.
2: Defense. Do we all agree that this defense is like a lot better though, right?
0: Yeah. In, in the secondary. Yes.
2: Just no, like in total.
0: Oh yes, yes. Yeah. I think so. I think uh, so. strongly in that camp. Yeah. yeah, I mean we we may have different reasons why, but I think a net positive. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, the big question there is defensive interior, even though we talk about Clowney a lot. I mean, when Reed and Puna Ford were nursing injuries, you're immediately talking about Brian Monet and, like, LJ Collier and Rasheem Green as, like, your three techs. Like, you got nothing inside. DeMarcus Christmas. So, like that's that is a major major achilles heel of this defense um there's no depth there and that's not a position that usually is all that durable defensive tackles get rolled up on a lot so um that's that's my biggest concern
0: i just don't know how they're going to get pressure this year i obviously am le- i'm much less optimistic than you are brian but if they can get creative with it and use jamal adams and do some fun blitzing stuff i, d- I don't know but if they if they can if they can creatively get pressure, this defense could be really good.
1: All right. Let's, let's end on that note. And Evan, Evan, uh, optimistic take. I know some people have been really uh, disheartened by the watching the plummeting of, of, of what was our once care bearer of Seahawks Twitter, Evan.
0: I would just like to remind us of a certain day that happened seahawks cowboys playoff game while was a wild card i think it's divisional i don't remember wild card. Wild, card. wild card game yeah i've been broken ever since so
1: yeah so we're, we're trying to put the pieces back together and there was some positivity for from evan to end the, the end the show so uh thank you all for tuning in uh all of our predictions are certified as bet worthy um you should take all of them directly to vegas maybe not physically but, but maybe online uh and we'll be back when we have more things to say about the seahawks team and i think i hope
2: well hold up i I got some breaking news for you here brian always
1: gonna be about the blazers game because that's super interesting
2: uh well you might find this interesting uh we we were about to go out on a good note but uh portland star damian lillard is undergoing an mri on his right knee
1: oh that's too bad (sighs) yeah i like dame um all right, folks, please uh, click subscribe if you haven't already. Um, share the show with other f- folks. Talk about it. Uh, let us know via reviews. Really appreciate it. And join up at patreon.com hawkblogger. All proceeds um, benefit good charities as we've done over the years. And looking forward to doing that again. So uh, with that, take care. Have a good night and go Hawks.